0: One, two,
1: three. Hi, this is Hope. This is
2: Chris. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat F2. Radio.
0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 57 of No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt Frazier with Doug Hay here before another exciting interview, this one with... Colleen Patrick-Goudreau, who is really well-known in uh, vegan circles and someone who I really haven't connected with that much. She actually wrote a blurb for my book, which was cool because we hadn't really met or anything, but she uh, she had been on my publisher. I think she might even still be. I don't know, but uh, I probably should know that. <laughs> but anyway, she does have a new book out, and uh, it's called The 30-Day Vegan Challenge, which uh, I'm looking forward to talking to her because it's it just, I don't know, when I hear about 30-day challenges, like we've mentioned in the last episode... Uh, they're, I think they're great ways to start a new habit is have a 30 day commitment to doing something and say, you're not going to quit. And once you get to the end of that 30 days, then you can assess and say like, okay, I don't like running every day or being vegan or whatever it is, but then you have a chance to do that without feeling like you failed. So I'm a big fan of, of 30 day challenges. So I'm looking forward to talking to Colleen, uh, as well as just talking to her. She, uh, she has the, the food for thought podcast, very popular And it's just a really well-known person in the vegan space. I have a few of her cookbooks, so I am looking forward to that one for sure. Um, Let's see. Other stuff. We have a question to get to really quick. And what's his name? Dan. Dan. All right. Dan, thank you for asking a question. Sorry for forgetting your name. Let's let's hear your question.
2: Hi, this is Dan from Washington, D.C. And uh, my question is regarding sleep. So uh, I know Brendan Brazier talks a lot about sleep and uh, how on a vegan diet you need less sleep um, because your body consumes less energy processing the food and also repairs quicker when you're getting all the nutrients you need. Uh, a big part of my transition to being plant-based has been to be a more efficient and effective person, and I personally found that when I'm eating super clean, uh, I do uh, need less sleep. Uh, I know there's a lot of factors that are involved, like caffeine and alcohol and stress and so forth, but... Um, but my question is, can you speak to your experience with sleep uh, since you've become vegan and any tips that you might have to improve your sleep quality? Thanks. Bye.
0: Okay, sleep. Great question, Dan. Uh, one that I think a lot of vegans and vegetarians even will tell you that that their sleep has improved when, when they went vegan. Um, I, first, I want to step back and say, like, I know, I think Brandon Brazier does specifically say, I and mean, of course, his books are about plant-based diet. so what he says or implies there is that that a plant-based diet will help you to sleep better, or could help you to sleep better, assuming you're doing it right. I think I'm. Mean, I don't know. I'm just. I'm just so much allergic to people who are vegan and and saying like, yes, this diet is so great, and it will help you do this and this. Uh, even or your if, poop
1: doesn't stink. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I mean, even if a lot of that stuff is true, uh, and that is true, Doug. By the way, <laughs> um, I just, I just, I think it needs. I think things should be more precise and and examined. I don't know more than that. Not that, not that I think Brendan really is guilty of any of that stuff. I think he backs up everything he says pretty well, uh, and I'm a big fan of his stuff. But I think, you know, and I I think he would probably agree with me that it's not necessarily that a plant-based diet will help you sleep better than an omnivorous one, all else held equal. I mean, maybe that's true. I think it's more of a of a nutrients per calorie issue. So a a diet that is high in nutrients per calorie, in other words, that is nutrient dense. calorically sparse, basically, is one that, that takes less energy to break down because it's just it's just not all this extra caloric energy that needs to be, I don't even know what the word is, just assimilated into your body um, in order to get those nutrients. So nutrients per calorie, and that's, and of course a plant-based diet is a great example of a diet that if you're doing it right, if you're eating lots of whole foods, is really high in nutrients per calorie. Many would argue, and I would agree, that it is higher than an omnivorous whole foods-based diet. Just because meat and dairy aren't particularly high in micronutrients per calorie, so hopefully that little distinction is clear. Um, <clears throat> just a small pet peeve of mine, but anyway, uh, I, I noticed that when it came to sleep and tiredness, going vegetarian and then vegan definitely helped me feel a lot more energy. Like I, the, most noticeably for me was that that 2:30 in the afternoon feeling uh, when I used to reach for a five-hour energy, no longer had to. Actually, that's not true. I never had, never once drank a five-hour energy, but. They they seem to own the uh, the two thirty feeling idea. Uh-huh, so, yeah. um, but no, I, I used to have that every afternoon. Get tired. I think it's a very very common thing that around between two and three o'clock, you just get you just feel like all of a sudden you hit this wall and like all you can do is take a nap. Except you can't. You have to sit in your chair and work. So that's not a fun feeling at all. Uh, and that that really stopped when I really when I went vegetarian, not even vegan yet, is when I noticed that that stuff just kind of stopped. And I think be, I think the reason is. Again, not that I stopped eating meat, but that I just started eating whole and fresh, and a lot of raw fruits and vegetables. Right. Uh, I think I think adding that stuff into my diet, getting rid of the, the calorically dense foods, bringing in the nutrient rich foods, uh, just just helped that. So that's that's been my experience. I can't really say for sure how my sleep has been affected, like as far as nighttime sleep. Um, I do know that I no longer have those giant dinners where you go to a restaurant. And you leave just feeling like so so stuffed with food, and you've had two beers with it, and then you wake up two hours after you fall asleep with your stomach like rumbling and just feeling terrible. I used to have that a lot when I was omnivorous, but when I went vegan, I kind of stopped having those types of dinners out. So right. not not really that the that the food is in some ways maybe it's that the food is different, but it, it was more that like I don't know. It just seems like you don't go to a big vegan steakhouse and pay out all the food, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know. That's been my experience with sleep. And I can get to some tips, but I'm interested to hear, Doug, first, uh, what do you think? Have you have you noticed any sleep differences?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely have noticed that I'm more alert and I have less uh, of that of that afternoon crash uh, for sure. You know, I, I will say that I still am groggy in the morning and I still get sleepy, you know, at night. So it's not like I'm all of a sudden this powerhouse of energy. Um, you know, and part of that has to do with my sleep habits, which many would argue probably aren't very good um and of course how much activity you know cuz as an athlete and stuff i've been burning a lot of energy too you know so i need i need sleep um so you know I, I don't know i think that it it has changed for me in some ways but uh i wouldn't say that it all of a sudden means that i, I require a lot less sleep so now i could right. not like i could go on 4 hours of sleep or something like that
0: so here's what I would say about that though is that when I tried the fruitarian diet, this is one of the things that I love so much about it was I really felt like I didn't need sleep and I mean not needed sleep, but like didn't need nearly as much and I could wake up on six hours of not great sleep with the kids and whatever else contributing to that and then function as if I had had a nice full sleep on on my previous version of the vegan diet right So I love that about it. Um, I don't know you know had I been on had I stayed on it for for three months or six months? Maybe some of that would have worn off because I think a lot of that stuff kind of happens. You often feel an energy boost shortly after you change a diet, just because your body mm-hmm. gets different nutrients that it wasn't getting, and has stored up the ones that it had plenty of. So, uh, a lot of times, just changing a diet will will help you have energy that is sort of inexplicable. Um, so, I think I don't know, raw or or closer to closer to raw, and and certainly whole food. I mean, I think I think that. In general, it's going to make you. It's going to help with the quality of your sleep that you have, and as a result, probably make you perhaps need less of it. Uh, and then the one other thing I would point out is that I think this diet in general, and just eating more whole foods in general, fresh, raw, often, um, it has sort of leveled out the ups and downs during the day. I think the energy ups and downs and mm. the not having the two thirty feeling is just one example of this more general thing that happened. Was it? It just felt like there were less crazy energetic jittery periods even still drinking coffee and less really low lows where you're just super tired and need to fall asleep right now right yeah i can see that for sure yeah so i don't know i mean i think i think uh dan that you're you were right to uh to want to adopt a diet like this as part of a general kind of self-improvement well-being productivity efficiency whatever mindset uh i mean i'm biased of course because i eat this way and i love it but I, I think it really does lend itself well to that sort of thing. Our friend Jeff Sanders, who does the Five AM Miracle podcast, uh, that's kind of one of his things. He talks a lot about energy and how how useful or how essential energy is to productivity. That that really is the the underlying thing. You can do all the productivity hacks that you want, but at the end of the day, it's how much energy do you have, and how much which is going to relate to your willpower and everything else that's going to involve or, or going to um, contribute to how much you get done and he eats a, a vegan actually very close to fruitarian diet 80 10 10 type of thing a lot of raw food uh, and he does so one the main reason because it he thinks it's what gives him the most energy so um, check out his stuff if you haven't heard it dan he's he's good and uh, he's a friend of mine
1: so how about how about some pointers
0: pointers yeah um so i i've heard many many people say that you should use the bedroom only for sleep and sex no no televisions in the bedroom so that would be My number one pointer is get rid of the TV in the bedroom. It just first of all, it will suck up your time. It'll make you stay up a little bit later watching TV if you're watching it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second of all, it it just gets your mind in the state of watching a screen and and being active, and that's not really what you want in the hour before bed. You probably don't want any screens or lights or anything like that. Bright lights anyway, Uh, and even like reading intense nonfiction i don't think is good that close to bedtime just because it gets your mind racing at least for me it does projecting thoughts into the future and i don't think it's really conducive to sleep Mm -hmm. so get rid of your tv is the number one i mean i still read in bed i still use a kindle which is technically a screen Mm -hmm. but uh i don't know i would get rid of that and then my wife and i we got rid of all the lights in our bedroom possible that we could and we still have light lights like lamps and stuff but we just got rid of all the blinking stuff we used to have a tv vcr in our old apartment we had the internet like box in there So there would be These flashing green lights And you'd wake up In the middle of the night And you could count Like 30 different Little lights Around <laughs> the room So we just got rid Of anything that Plugs in and has A screen on it Basically in the bedroom So that uh, it's It's really dark At night time And I think that Makes a big difference
1: What do you use As as an alarm clock Your kids
0: I mean most days That's what it is We just don't set it And then they They get uh-huh. us up But I have, I just put my phone On set it to 630 Or something I'm going to get up Before the kids do Yeah uh, so that that has not been an issue, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say I completely agree about the not doing anything in the room. Um, you know, and and for me that includes reading too. If I can read, I, w- I would want to read in the living room or in a comfy chair or something like that. And then go once you go to the bedroom, you're going to bed or having sex, I guess. Mm, um, there you go. <laughs> uh, and then obviously alcohol, which is probably my problem. You know, they're my biggest flaws. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to drink alcohol a few hours before you go to bed, but right. Uh, you know, that's... would you
0: say that's your biggest flaw, <laughs> human being? as far as sleep? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: No, my biggest flaw is being a, being a human. Well, that's like, that's for a different podcast, I guess. man. <laughs> um, as far as uh, sleep habits go, that's that's one for sure.
0: Yeah, I think another really good tip that I don't I'm not the best at using it is just when you have a bedtime, and I think having an actual bedtime that you that is like you teach your body that at this time of day you go to sleep, um, I think that's a good thing first of all, but to have an hour ideally at least ideally an hour but maybe half an hour if that's all you can get uh, of this preparing for bedtime where mm-hmm. I think Jeff Sanders, who we just mentioned has like i think he said he has an alarm that goes off on his phone an hour before bedtime and it says basically start bedtime routine now, and that's when you do your meditation, stop watching TV, whatever read whatever you're gonna read. And it, you just get your body ready for sleep. It's kind of like the trigger in a habit that you, you, you get – if you want to have a good sleep habit, then you need to have a trigger before that. So your trigger is this evening routine, and you just use that to wind down And uh, rather than just be going full on until, until bedtime.
1: We have – just uh, last week, Katie and I started having a bedtime. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
0: What is it, 830? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock? Yeah. yeah which... That's
0: about what we do. We try to. Recently, it's been 11 yeah and it's that's a problem
1: we've been it fluctuate it used to fluctuate so much from anywhere from ten to midnight mm-hmm. uh just kind of if we were watching something or not and you know and that kind of thing and so we're trying to be strict about it we don't ha we don't have a bed we don't have a routine before that but uh, right uh, well, that's, that's a, a good, good
0: idea. that's a good thing though yeah good all right so uh so that's sleep thank you dan and uh doug, can you do a little spiel about about how people can oh yeah call in
1: yeah um so, ready go. We I've loved having Dan and everyone else call in. This is a lot of fun. And uh you can call in to ask your questions and we will answer them and promise not to talk about sex too much. Mm-hmm. Um 951 uh, it's nine five one six 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 three two eight one or nine five one no meat one. All right. And you can
0: amaze your friends by having your voice on That's the right. No Meet Athlete Radio Airwaves. You and too could be on this radio show.
1: You could you could be a no
0: meet athlete radio star yes (laughs) all right cool so let's get to uh colleen's oh and first italy i've got to mention this italy last time i mentioned the cruise now i've got italy to promote um and the tie-in here is that colleen patrick gaudreau our guest on this interview did the italy thing i think she's done it last year and maybe before that it's a vegan tour of italy Uh, i'm doing it this year along with miyoko shinner who does artisan vegan cheese our week is at the end of july i think it's like july 18th through 25th or something like that uh, but it's a week in Italy. Um, it, I mean, the tour is incredible. It's this national park. It's like a UNESCO, I don't know, heritage site or some sort of site that is protected and largely untouched. And they eat uh, all this, you know, very high organic, very high plant-based diet. And the tour has vegan food on it. It's it's their meals are provided vegan breakfast, lunch, and dinner almost every single day. And uh, I think that's a cool. I mean, I don't know. I feel like once I went vegan, I started thinking. I would love to go back to Italy, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it anymore because how can you go there and, and enjoy Italy while being vegan? Well, this seems like a very good way to do it. So anyway, if you're interested in coming to Italy with me and Miyoko uh, or checking out the other hosts of the other weeks, uh, and these are these are good little weeks because each one is limited to 22 people. So I don't know. It's just it's just a nice way to, to come in a small group setting, hang out with whoever the hosts are. Um but if you want to check that out, it's nomadathlete.com slash Italy, and that will direct you to a flyer that's online, and on that flyer will be a bunch of details about the trip as well as contact information for Donna, who is handling all the booking. So check that out, nomadathlete.com Italy, if you're looking for some sort of fun vacation in July. All right. Anything else, Doug, before we get to Colleen patrick Gaudreau, and the 30-Day Vegan Challenge? I think that's it. We'll okay. see you next time. All right. Enjoy the interview. Hey, it's Matt Frazier. I'm here with Colleen Patrick-Goudreau, which is quite an honor. Colleen is the author of many vegan books, uh, cookbooks, some, some books that are more about thinking, most recently the 30-Day Vegan Challenge, and uh, as you know, I'm always a fan of habit change, so I'm really excited for this one. So, Colleen, thank you very much for being here.
2: Thanks, Matt. It's nice to be here.
0: Yeah, and uh, what I what I just realized, we I had Robert Cheek on the show on the last episode, and uh, we talked a lot there about the vegan cruise. Uh, the Holistic Holiday at Sea Cruise, which I know he's been on for years and years, and this will be my first year, um, but I didn't realize that you'd be there, because I, in the intro to this one, we mentioned Italy, because I know you had done that last year, and you're doing it again, uh, and I'm going to be doing that as well this year, but uh, didn't know about the cruise, so I'm I'm just kind of curious. Is this your first year on the cruise, or have you done it before?
2: I did it two years ago.
0: Okay, two years ago, and did, I guess you had a good time if you're going back, right? <laughs> I
2: guess so. <laughs> yeah, It was really, it was fun, and you know, I... A lot of it has to do with the people who are there and, you know, just a fabulous group of people who go. I mean, there are people who just kind of cruise professionally, who just love loved cruises, which is interesting. Um, I will tell you that one of the tricks to really enjoying yourself is to definitely do excursions because once you get to the ports – there's nothing to do at the ports and we learned that because we didn't do every excursion we thought that we could just kind of walk around ourselves right. you know right. go on a hike or that kind of thing but you really can't do that so definitely take advantage of the excursions and there are a lot of really great excursions
0: ah okay good to know i'll actually be there with my whole family my wife and two young kids okay. so uh i have no idea what how kid-friendly the excursions are but we'll have to check that out
2: oh they are for sure yeah oh awesome.
0: good and you're you're actually going to do some speaking or demos and things like that too right
2: both yep cool awesome
0: and then Italy, I want to talk about that too because we are really looking forward to that one, um, obviously. And uh, I know you've done it before. Uh, for those who who don't know, this is this is through Green Earth Travel, and uh, I've I've put links before. It's no meat dot com slash Italy. But Colleen, you're also you go in June, I think, right? And, and all the other ones are in July.
2: That's correct. Yes.
0: Okay, so if you if you're interested in going with Colleen, uh, you can you can check that out on her site. Is there is there an easy link to get to Colleen on your? I think it's what an ad in the sidebar. Is that where it is?
2: Or just appearances, the link, um, the menu bar uh, appearances. Got it. Okay, cool.
0: So anyway, um, let's talk about your new book because I when, – when this one came across my email, I was really excited to check it out uh, just because I'm a fan of the, the concept of how people change habits. And uh, it's, it seems to be a hot topic these days, um, and particularly the, the idea that we should change in really small steps. And I I like that a lot. That's how I became vegetarian and then vegan was really over a a long several-year process. Uh, But but what I tell people who don't have the patience for that, because I know not everyone does, uh, and I'm kind of one of those people too. I really don't – I always want to just dive in at first, and I've found that small steps work better for me. But what I tell people who do want to just try diving into something is if you're going to do that, put some sort of end date and call it a challenge and say, I'm going to do this for – whether it's 10 days or 30 days or whatever, and say, this is a challenge I'm doing. And because I think when you do that, especially with something like vegan, um, you don't have the the voice in your head saying, I can never eat a cheeseburger again. Like, how am I going to survive this? And then you get all these doubts, and then you just give up because it just becomes overwhelming. So I I love the idea that there's an end date at which you can say, "I'm, I'm going to make it this far, and I'm not going to cheat or give up until I get there. And once I get to that point, and only once I get there, will I reconsider so I'm just curious, like, why um, – for you, why why did you choose this, the the 30-day vegan challenge approach rather than, you know, a small steps thing and say, like, on the first week, be vegetarian and then gradually go into it?
2: Yeah, well, all of what you said. So it – it really, I think, enables people to experience this and kind of dip their toe in without feeling like they're saying forever, never, right? Just because people tend to fail when they just say, I'm going to always do this, I'm going to never do this. I'm never going to do this again, I'm only ever doing this, right? And so you set yourself up and then you might have some challenges and then you stop doing it or start doing whatever you stopped. And you wind up feeling like a failure. And so I. So the whole idea of just saying, look, for this time period, I'm going to experience something new and try something new is really uh, helpful for people. But the other idea is where it starts to be so interesting. And I share your interest in behavior changes and habit changes because really everything we do is based on habit. We are such creatures of habit. And so what happens is most people say, I don't eat that much meat. Or I don't eat that much dairy, or I don't eat that much, right? I mean, that's I don't I've never met anyone who has not said, Yeah, I don't eat a lot of meat. And yet you don't know how much you do anything until you stop. So what happens is in in this 30-day period, you're stopping long enough to recognize what your old habits were, and more importantly, in terms of success um, creating new habits because what happens is we're kind of looking in one direction our whole lives we're choosing the same foods we're going to the same restaurants and we just we're doing it by rote we're not even thinking about it and so when you say I'm going to do the 30 day vegan challenge and you go to go grab that burger or go to that restaurant you go oh oh, wait a second, I'm not doing that right now. So what's over here? And you shift your gaze and you actually realize there are things that you could choose that you could have always chosen before, but you didn't even know they existed because you weren't looking in that direction. So it gives you the opportunity to look in a new direction and to make different choices so that you can create a new foundation. And then by the end of the 30 days, you've got all these skills and all these tools that you didn't have in the beginning. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's all fantastic, and I, I completely agree with the thinking. And I love that you have the uh, – not just the set your goals and intentions in the beginning, which I think is a really crucial step to this sort of thing. Uh, I'm also kind of a goal-setting nerd. Um, but but also the three-day document where you currently are and, like, keep a food journal for three days. Um, like you said, it just – it makes you realize exactly what you're doing and how different that is from the thing that you're trying to do because, uh, like you said, people just – they. They don't really realize what – we don't realize what, what our habits are because, because they're habits.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, And I also like that that creates space in between this decision, like when someone picks up this book or buys this book and says, I'm going to do this thing. Um, it's kind of been demonstrated that, that the best approach to changing something isn't just to in that exact moment say, okay, the challenge begins right now and I'm officially vegan beginning now and forevermore. Um, but to create space and say, here's the start date and it's on this certain day in the future. So this having to do a three day thing before you do that, at least puts that amount of space. And I also really like that, that you put that in there.
2: Well, thanks. Yes. So the book is structured as like a get ready, get set, go. Right. So that those are kind of the big three main sections. And so what it does is it allows you to go into it consciously and with intention and with thoughtfulness it, it also gives you space to go to your doctor and I really encourage people to get their blood work done before they start because being able to measure the physical changes that take place is really empowering for people so yeah it gives you it gives you the time it gives you the space it kind of gets you into the mind space and then you can pick whenever you want to start and and there you go
0: yeah so. The no Meat athlete audience is, uh, I, you know, I think we do have a lot of people who, who happen to like the site and like the podcast, uh, without being vegan, many without even being vegetarian. And I'm, I'm very always happy to hear that because I think it's that, that tells me that I'm reaching people who I, who I want to reach. You know, I want people to, to hopefully make some change because of this. So, um, my hope is that people will will hear this interview and and either pick up your book and actually do this, or just you know on their own. And I, again, I would I would recommend that you pick up the book and have a guide for it. But so I'm, I imagine some people will will just say, "Hey, this is a good time as any for me to give this thing a try." So I'm going to do it on my own. Um, for someone listening, whether they are full on omnivore still or maybe vegetarian, and they say, "I'm going to do this thing." Um, I mean your your approach in this book is to go vegan from the from the outset right it's not it's not a gradual change, correct?
2: yeah, it's not like chapter one you let go of butter, chapter two, you let go of eggs. Right. I mean it really is just say for this thirty days, commit to not eating any meat, dairy, or eggs, okay, so
0: what I'm wondering then is on on day one when it's this sudden drastic change from the beginning, what do you suggest people do? ahead of that time I mean we talked about about the food diary and, and going to the doctor but as far as being prepared to actually be vegan and and just like you know act like a vegan does eat like a vegan does shop like a vegan um what do you, what do you what's your suggestion so that there's not this catastrophic failure on day one because they go to the grocery store and don't know what to do um I mean is it I don't know do you have any tips for just like just the day one when you're making this big dive into something
2: Yeah, so the first thing I would say is, number one, just be open and be flexible. So the first thing that is daunting for people making any kind of change is that it's change. And we resist change because we're creatures of habit. So the most enjoyable time you're going to have and the most successful time you're going to have during this process during this journey is being open and that's what's so beautiful about it is that you actually do wind up seeing oh my gosh there are foods that I've never tried and there are restaurants I've never tried or cuisines I've never tried or I've never cooked before or you know I've never spent more than 10 minutes in the kitchen because I think that's you know too long and a waste of my time I mean it just opens up just possibilities and so that's really the mentality that I encourage people to have going into something like this because it's a really exciting journey the other thing you know chapter 1 once you're in the go part you know get ready get set go chapter 1 is defining what vegan is and that's really important for me and i start there because i want people to actually that might be in the get ready get set that might be in the get set and that so again establishing it before you even start it 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 defines what this is and the biggest mistake people make when they think about what being vegan is is they think about being vegan as an end in itself When for me, and what I think is just really the best way to look at it is that it's a means to an end. For me, that end is unconditional compassion and optimal wellness. And so, what's the best way for me to reach those ends, right? How can I reach my optimal wellness, my unconditional compassion? Well, being vegan is an opportunity to do that. And so, when that is what you think about in terms of being vegan, you don't get hung up on this idea of perfection, you don't get hung up on this idea of pure. Majority. But I think a lot of even vegan advocates can talk about veganism uh, in that way. And that's what I think really turns people off. So. My whole approach is, you know, do the best you can and be consistent with your own values, but use it as a means to reach these higher ends because it's a wonderful way to do that without beating yourself up. Like just we live in a non-vegan imperfect world, but there's so much we can do and that's what's really exciting about it.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, that's uh I've never really heard it said that way that that being vegan is not the the end I mean that that's not the goal the goal is is whatever it is you hope to achieve by being vegan um and you're right that is something that so for so many people and i think this generally the group of people who i think i don't want to say that they all give vegans a bad name um but of those who do give vegans a bad name and i think there are a few of those out there they tend to be the types for whom it is totally all or nothing it, it's an identity for its own sake um for many other sakes too, but but it's it is about you're right, perfection and, and being vegan to be vegan. Like that is the end. Uh, so that that's a great distinction. I love that.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it becomes a wearing a badge or being in a box or wearing a label, and that's where we're just losing we're losing the plot, we're just losing the plot, and then we wind up judging other people for you know not reaching this you know this level of purity and you know that doesn't mean there isn't we can do so much we, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't so many things we could do to reach those those goals, but it's just we've we've really got to let go of being attached to the goal being. I'm this thing called vegan. Like right, that doesn't right. even mean anything, right?
0: And and perfection, as I'm sure you know, is is often the enemy of uh, any kind of habit change because it what what happens is that people will start out being perfect, and it's easy to be perfect for the first week hmm. or something, and then the temptation, inevitable temptation, happens, and at some point, some sort of little failure comes in, and if if you have the perfectionist mindset, then one small failure on day eight, where you either accidentally or or deliberately eat something that's not vegan, um, that just that ends it. It's like it's rather rather than saying, okay, I made a mistake, and now day nine is going to be my my first day of, of getting back on track and and just continuing. Um, that perfectionist mindset, of course, leads, leads to well, this whole thing was a failure, so I guess that didn't work out, and I'm I'm back to eating my old way.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: exactly. Um. So. I guess that would be an example of a mistake that people would make which is a nice uh accidental lead into my next question. Um what uh, I'm just wondering what kind of mistakes do you see people make when they when they make changes like this? And I should mention really quick that we I didn't really talk much about the structure of the book. You mentioned the the ready get set go layout of it. Um but each day each day in the book like day 1, day 2 up to day 30 they're not so much saying here's what to do on this day it's just like each day is a new chapter um in education about it so there's there's a chapter about b12 there's chapters about um i don't know cooking i mean i've I've not honestly read the entire thing but leaf through it of course um so it's it's just like a huge education in in how to be vegan and as you said in the beginning you could either read this entire thing straight through from the ahead of time uh or you can do it on a day-to-day basis if you want um, but just wanted to mention that because I think it it is important that people understand what it is because I think it's a great book and I think it it could help a lot of people here. But anyway, um, mistakes like what kind of mistakes have you seen people make when they when they take on something like this? I'm assuming you've you've observed people try to do this sort of thing before.
2: Yeah, I've been doing this for, for 16 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've definitely seen people. Um go through this journey and stumble and what have you. Honestly, I think the biggest mistake we make is getting hung up on the perfection. I think the other mistake people make is not embracing this unapologetically and openly in terms of communicating with people around us. And what I mean by that is we tend to think that because it's not part of the status quo that we're going to make people uncomfortable if we're different and we tend to think different means, inferior right so we're so afraid to like speak up speak up for who we are about what we believe in about what we want we go to restaurants and we think we have to apologize for asking for what we want even though we're paying for (laughs) for what we're there for right i mean we're giving our money to this restaurant and then we're embarrassed to say could you just not put any cheese on that right right and so we we really feel like we have to kind of hide or just be self-effacing about it or apologetic about it, when this is the most beautiful thing we could do is reflect our values and reflect in our behavior what we say we care about most. And so what I really spend a lot of time on is really kind of getting underneath this stuff, debunking all of these These misconceptions and empowering people to speak up for what they want. So the chapter on eating out isn't called eating out. It's called eating out and speaking up, right? Because it's about that. It's about how we position ourselves. It's how we present ourselves and the way we come at it is the way people respond to us. If we go at it with apologies and self effacement and and defensiveness or whatever, that's how people are going to respond. But if we come at this with joy and abundance and and just asking for what we want, people respond in kind. So so much of what I talk about is really just the mindset um, of of living this way and 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 asking for what we want, and that changes our entire experience in life and, and through this journey.
0: Yeah. That's something I've, I've absolutely noticed. Uh, I get a lot of emails saying things like, how do you deal with the social aspects? And I mean, I consider myself lucky that I haven't really had any major, you know, confrontations or anything with, with family or friends or anything like that. Uh, or any, any real negative effects of like, you know, friends suddenly not, not wanting to hang out with me anymore or something. Um, but, but I think some of it is because I've just been open about it and kind of like I've always, I don't know, just like didn't make, make it weird and didn't uh, be secretive about it and try to go to a friend's house without telling them I'm vegan but be there for dinner so I just kind of avoid the food that they made and eat one dish that they made. You know, it's like – it's totally right. Just ha- having – being open about stuff um, it, is – it makes such a difference. And I mean especially if you can be open about it in, in the not – like certainly we don't want to – be inferior like you said but you also want to see like i mean i don't think we want to seem like we're superior either for for making this choice because that that often gets people um fired up for sure and you're not exactly on our side
2: no, absolutely. And so, you know, again, so the, so you're right that the chapters aren't prescriptive in you have to read day 2 before you read day 3, but there is a guide and there is an arc to the chapters. So they really start with, you know, kind of demystifying all the stuff around the food and the cooking and the shopping and stocking your kitchen and then moving to the nutrients and and those, you know, aspects. And then it goes really into the social aspects, eating out and hosting uh, dinners and the holidays and And, you know, keeping a vegan home or living with non-vegans. I mean, just all of the social aspects. Um, So I spend a lot of time on the social aspects. And, of course, it's not about being, you know, inferior or superior. But we do need to know where we end and another person begins. And so that's another issue. So, yeah, absolutely coming to someone's home or speaking to a family member and saying, hi, I'm vegan, which I think are very powerful words. And I think people are aware that just declaring that can make people defensive because it's, you know, wrought with so much, um, meaning. And so what we have to understand is if we just say I'm vegan and someone becomes defensive or hostile, and I've seen it, I know that happens to people. Um, That's not ours, right? So we have to understand that there's a difference between people becoming offended by who we are or what we say and us actually setting out to offend someone. Mm -hmm. Those are two very different things. And so if we're really clear about who we are and how we're presenting ourselves and how we're treating someone else, and it should be compassionately and respectfully, then the rest isn't ours to worry about. So absolutely be who you are, speak your truth. But if someone takes it in a way that you know that rocks the boat that doesn't mean you set out to rock the boat we have to be willing to let people be uncomfortable if that's what if that's what happens but that doesn't mean it was our fault or that we should stop being vegan because we made someone uncomfortable <laughs> by being so and I've seen that happen a lot I know people go into the vegan closet because because that situation happens when really that doesn't mean they did anything wrong it just means the people they were talking to, weren't ready to hear it or able to take it or whatever whatever goes on and a lot goes on but that's that's a real big deal for people to kind of get the permission to go oh yeah that wasn't i didn't do anything that's okay (laughs) i can i can be who i am and and if people don't accept that then you know i can just move on
0: right sure and i think i think in general just a general openness communication helps to prevent that sort of thing from happening i mean I, I don't know, if there's a friend who you're open with and, and you explain to them why you're vegan and, and you don't just say, I'm vegan, leaving it at that. I mean, you, you know, open, talking, explaining why, what your reasons are without judgment. I mean, I, I feel like it just, generally, the, the, nothing really bad comes up when you're talking about real friends. May, family might be a little bit different, but I don't know. I just feel like it, it's not quite as difficult as people make it out to be if you're just open and you just communicate. Uh which is a good reminder, I mean, back, bringing this back to habit change in general, that's a good strategy for any sort of habit change uh is is make sure people around you understand what it is you're trying to do. Like I know I've I've tried to make changes at home um the first time I went vegetarian, actually, I didn't. I didn't even tell my wife that I was going to do this, and I was kind of just like, "I'm just going to stop uh, ordering meat at restaurants and, and like, subtly stop eating it at home and stop cooking it at home." And like, I mean, no wonder that first attempt failed because if, if the person you're living with and eating with and cooking for doesn't understand what you're doing, uh, it, there's just going to be so much resistance and, and all this extra stuff that happens. And I mean, that's that's an extremely dumb idea of me not to tell it, but I mean. If it's a little thing like I'm going to start writing every day, and that's going to be a new habit that I'm going to do for half an hour a day or something, I've I've gone through attempts where I don't tell someone. It's just like this; it's my little secret thing that I do, and I just it, they always fail unless you bring other people in and get other people understanding and and you get the accountability and all that 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 also comes from from letting other people in on what you're trying to do. So plenty well, of so reasons sure. to do, you that.
2: know. And writing every day doesn't necessarily affect someone else. I mean, maybe it does in terms of your schedule or your kids. Right. But if it's, if it is, you know, eating, I mean, it does affect every aspect of our lives. And so one of the things that, you know, that you touched on is, you know, I, I think we don't give people the benefit of the doubt. We don't um, we kind of underestimate our family and friends in terms of how they're going to react. So again, coming to them and saying, I'm going to do this thing. I'm really excited about it. It really means a lot to me. And here's why, um, you know, don't presume they're not going to be open or going to a neighbor's house or a friend's house and telling them that you're vegan. And can I help and make a recommendation of a recipe or, you know, whatever, don't underestimate people. But, um, on the, on the other hand, um, uh, I just lost my thought and it was brilliant it was a no but <laughs> so sure um yeah so certainly letting people know that it you know because it affects them as well um I lost my thought but yeah absolutely I think I think it's really helpful and and people are always you know happy to to, to step up and support you and and it, because it affects every aspect of our lives eating does
0: all right so on that note um speaking of eating i I think of you as a cookbook author first and foremost and I don't know if that's accurate or not I know you're also a podcaster and and an author of of non cookbooks as well um but for whatever reason I've always thought of you as a cookbook author so what about food recipes someone who's brand new to this diet whether again whether coming from omnivore background or whether they've transitioned solely and they're currently vegetarian um do you have any just practical food tips or even just like a favorite like recipe staple that maybe you don't even need a recipe for or one that's very easy to find without buying a book just like i don't know someone who's kind of lost in the food aspect of this stuff um,
2: well, again, where, so much of it has to our, our like mindset. That. So, you know, one of the things I do early on in the book is talk about how vegan food, quote unquote, is just food we're familiar with. It's fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and beans and mushrooms and lentils and herbs and spices. It's not a separate food category. So, when we do that, when we realize, oh, th- that's already that's I'm already eating vegan food. We don't say like I'm going to go have a vegan apple, right? I'm going <laughs> to go have a vegan banana. We're just eating bananas. Like it's just a banana. <laughs> And so when we demystify it and kind of take it out of the box called vegan, then it feels much less daunting to us. So I would have people start with where they're at. And so if they're making a pasta sauce already, you know, a vegetable, you know, you know, pasta-based sauce, like just, ha- you know, have that. Or if you're using a meat sauce, switch it out so that it's – a vegetable based or just tomato sauce. If you're you know, already having a salad and maybe you put chicken in it, put chickpeas in it. So there's lots of things you can do so that it doesn't feel like it's so completely new and different from what you're already doing. I think that's where people get tripped up too. They think they have to undo everything they know and start from scratch and they absolutely don't have to do that. So start with where you are and realize that when you talk about you know craving certain things and i talk about this in the book as well there's a whole chapter on craving foods it's called fat and salt taste good so much of what we associate with pleasure is really because it's fat or salt or it's a certain texture or a certain mouth feel but we happen to equate those with animal products so that's the first thing we go to instead of saying oh, it's not a burger I'm craving, it's actually fat and salt and that kind of familiar thing in between, you know, in a bun. So how can I still get that fat and salt and that familiarity? Well, I could have a veggie burger or I could have a bean burger or I could have, you know, right? So the idea is to just keep it as familiar as possible but realize that it's not about the animal products, it's absolutely about what's underneath them which is usually fat salt flavor texture and familiarity so those those are general concepts that i think are just really helpful for people to take away with rather than here do this this is a recipe you can try people are already eating vegan and i would encourage them to kind of just again shift their gaze and kind of look at what they're already doing now and how they can just make little changes um with what they're already doing i think that's fantastic
0: uh it's something that i that i you know i've been asked H- how do you deal with cravings and for me my big craving was buffalo chicken wings that was what i what i wanted and my solution was just put hot sauce on french fries and and like that satisfies those taste buds and yes it's not exactly the same it's not the same experience as eating buffalo chicken wings but that's such a good way of saying it that that it's not that we are craving animal products we're craving what what they taste like and and by and large when it's cravings it's sugar salt or fat and you can you can of course recreate those things in in a vegan way which isn't necessarily the the most healthy thing to do i mean of course you don't want to be eating that stuff all the time but if it's just to satisfy a craving and get past something then then by all means do it and that's that's uh goes back to that not being trying not aiming for perfection from the beginning in terms of how healthy the food is but uh good advice
2: sure unhealthy. I mean, if you're if you're substituting, if you're if you think you're craving a burger, but what re- you're really craving is fat, you can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you can put an avocado on a bean burrito, you can, you know, make an almond milk, you know, with almond butter smoothie. I mean, those are all perfectly healthy and you're still getting that fat, you know. So, yeah, maybe the example of french fries and chicken wings <laughs> things are, you know, that's like, you know, not healthy to, okay, not optimally healthy, but but there are so many ways you can um, shift from animal-based fat, salt, you know, texture, et cetera, to plant-based fat, salt, you know, texture, et cetera, that are, that are 10,000 times healthier because you're not consuming the animal products.
0: Sure, absolutely. But I, I do sometimes
2: tell people like, I'm not big
0: into the, the fake meats and all that, that much, but like I tell people, if, if at the beginning you need to eat that stuff, like because you know I don't want someone to say okay I I'm I'm creating buffalo chicken wings but uh I'm trying to do this healthy and vegan thing, so therefore what I'm going to do is put some some buffalo sauce or, or hot sauce and buffalo sauce isn't always vegan, but put some hot sauce on celery sticks and eat that and then they do it, and they say oh this is this is not nearly as good as those chicken wings, so therefore I quit and I give up so i you know I want people to like i say have the french fries and put the buffalo sauce on it, realize this is not the way that you're going to be eating long term but as a in the beginning phases when when you you know the the willpower is is the thing that is fragile in those early days and you you once you run out of it and, and especially if you've got this perfectionist mindset then it's you're you're doomed so like you know i just say do do what you need to do in the beginning realize it's not going to be your your long-term habit of eating french fries with buffalo sauce on them but uh i don't know i, I just think and i guess that's my small steps mindset is if you're gonna go vegan don't worry about 100 percent healthy vegan from the very beginning um, get there over time is my general approach. But I know it's sometimes different
2: for no, other people. I just want to make clear that I am not disagreeing. Like we <laughs> have the French fries. <laughs> like, I'm, right. I'm not saying that. I was just clarifying what you had said before. But no, absolutely. And again, it's about texture and it's about familiarity. And so and, and people do have a mindset that they think there's gonna be deprivation. So when people realize, oh, I can still have that texture, I can still have that chewy texture. I mean, I love the Trader Joe's little chicken nuggets to get those for quick meals. Absolutely. With Are you kidding with barbecue sauce? I mean, it's fantastic. So, when people realize that they're not going to miss out on things, that really does help people make the shift. So, I agree with you 100%. Cool. That's what I like. Yeah, I thought
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And last thing we should mention on the topic of food is that there are 100 recipes in this book. Uh so it's it is also a cookbook in in that sense, uh as well as plenty of of advice Just food advice, kind of like what you said. The more general stuff, like like taking what you already know and figuring out how you can veganize that.
2: Yeah, there's about fifty actual recipes, and then fifty more meal ideas and and menu suggestions. So there's tons of food ideas because you know there's a breakfast chapter, which definitely has breakfast um, recipes. But then it's just a slew of ideas of what vegan you know breakfasts look like, both hot, both cold, both quick, both you know bread based. (laughs) plant-based, you know, vegetable-based, whatever. So there's tons of suggestions just for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in addition to the recipes.
0: Great. All right. So very practical guide. Um, I would encourage anyone who's who's out there looking to make a change like this um, to, to pick up a copy, have it as a guidebook, have it as a companion uh, maybe make you feel a little bit less alone and and let like less in need of getting questions answered because it's, it it does exactly that and and I think uh, lack of education is is definitely one of the the obstacles and the hurdles in, in getting people to to try or or succeed at a diet like this. So um, I'm glad you wrote this book and uh, I really appreciate you coming on here. This has been fun.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Matt.
0: Have you ever heard that you sound like Jillian Michaels? Your voice sound like who? From from Biggest Loser, Jillian, oh, the uh, no, trainer. No, I've
2: never heard that.
0: No. Oh, I just keep it' like that's all I can think of as I'm listening to you talk. How
2: oh, funny! Well, I'm from New Jersey originally, so. <laughs> that's
0: okay, amazing. there we go. <laughs> Good. <laughs> all right, so um, for people who want to find more of you or, or learn more from you, I mean, the book is the 30 Day Vegan Challenge. Uh, is it in? Is it in? hard the copy they gave me is an ebook um it's in it's in bookstores as well though right
2: it's hardcover and ebook and it's an online program so people can just go to 30dayveganchallenge.com and they can they can sign up for the online program where you get videos and audio messages and recipes plus they can sign up for the book they can get the book as well um the best place to get the book on on its own is through amazon so yeah i mean joyfulvegan.com is my website and has links to all of these things
0: Okay. And since people listening to this, by and large, are podcast listeners, uh, we should mention you've also got the Food for Thought podcast, uh, which I know a lot of people are a fan of. I hear people talk about it all the time. So uh, check that out in, in the iTunes store like everything else, right? Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks again, Colleen. This has been fun. Thanks, Matt. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye.